0: Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on in Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy!
1: Well, how are we hope? Good. We're continuing our series. It's week four in our series, Asking For a Friend, where you guys submitted questions, burning questions that come up and conversations that you just don't know the answer for. This week, that question that we're gonna tackle is what happens when we die? What happens the moment that we die? What can we expect to experience? This was actually supposed to be next week's topic, and our very own Dwayne Calvin, the Raleigh campus pastor, has an amazing message put together on how do we love people that disagree with us, especially when it comes uh, to our religious faith. Uh, But Dwayne got sick. He is on the mend. And so we decided last minute to switch our weeks, and I don't think that was an accident Um, I think that God knew what we would be going through as a country, and I don't think um, that it's an accident that last week was how could a good God allow suffering in this world. And this week, after uh, two shootings and the war still going on in Ukraine, the question is what happens when we die? Uh, What could have been just a really cool Bible study and uh, just talking about the philosophy of the afterlife now has become a really important 30 minutes where we as a congregation can go to God's word and look at the truths that we find there and come away with a living hope and a hope that our world desperately needs right now. And so we could have um, looked at the answer to this question, what happens when we die, as more of an academic answer or a philosophical answer, but now this is a question that is on the lips of our family members and the people in our community right here And right now, and so I I don't think it's an accident that you're here in this room at one of our campuses or listening online, I believe that God wants to use you after this message to go out and give the people in your life a clear and true answer that we have in Scripture and a hope that surpasses all understanding, because if we're honest that the answer that our culture gives to that question, what happens when we die, it is anything but hopeful. In fact, a lot of times, it's hopeless. And if you ask someone in our world what happens, they might say, I have no idea. Or they'll say, we just cease to exist. Like before we were born, we're nothing, we're nowhere. We, we just pop out of existence. Or if they were kind of brought up in the church, they might give you some broad, uh, vague approximation of a heavenly realm where we're kind of spirits and we're floating in like white dresses and playing a harp and singing song after song for all of eternity. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't offer me much hope. That sounds really, really boring. And uh, the good news is that's not what eternity is going to be like at all. Uh, God actually tells us clearly through hundreds of scriptures what we can expect to experience after we die. And if we get this truth, if we grasp this hope, not only will we have a living hope, but I guarantee you it will change the way that you live out your life here on earth until your days are done and you step into eternity. But in order to answer this question, what happens when we die, we kind of have to back up way back and kind of view the scope of human history, the history of all of creation, because the end doesn't make much sense unless you understand the beginning or the middle part that we're experiencing right now. And so if you were to read through the Bible, you'd see that the Bible, the authors kind of divide all of history into three sections or three parts or three acts to this grand story that God is telling that we're caught up in. Uh, the first act, act one, is the beginning. Uh, that, that's described for us in Genesis chapter one and two, it's the past. Uh, act two is the present, what we experience in right now. And that's described for us in Genesis 3 all the way through Revelation 19. And then the future, Act 3, where eternity actually begins, that's described for us in Revelation 20 through 22. So we're going to hit all those acts here today. But the first act, Act 1, it's one that we know about. It's the beginning. It's the opening act where God creates the entire universe and the earth and everything on the earth, including humans. And this is the only act uh, so far where everything was perfect. It was as it should be. As God created, he said, that's good, that's good, that's good. When he gets to human beings, that is very, very good. So, so everything existed as it was designed to exist. And that act was in some ways very, very different than what we experienced, but in some ways similar. I mean, Adam and Eve were real humans with real bodies. They were living on this earth that we live on today. It was the same, but it was different. It was better. And we learn that God actually had a clear purpose for Adam and Eve during that first act. It's told to us in Genesis chapter one, God says that after he created Adam and Eve and after he created the garden of Eden, it says God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and everything that's on the earth. And so Adam and Eve were meant to expand Eden. They were meant to to expand the walls. They were to plant and to farm. They were to learn how to tame and train animals. They were to create technology and commerce and art and music. And the end goal was for them to fill the whole entire earth and rule it for God's glory. Kind of like we do now, but just with no sin. And we'll come back to that. But during this period, there was no such thing as death. So if you were to ask Adam and Eve, hey, what happens when you die? They're like, what is that? We don't die. Uh, So during this time, there was just two kind of areas. There was a physical area, the earth, the universe, uh, where Adam and Eve lived on this earth. And there was a spiritual realm uh, called heaven, where God resided with the angels, and he would come and visit with Adam and Eve. Uh, But then, Adam and Eve, very shortly in Genesis chapter 3, they sinned. And with sin came judgment from God, and death, and what we call the curse. And it was a curse that affected everything. It broke everything, living and non-living in the universe. And this is the beginning of act two, the present. This is the act that you and I live in now. And again, it's similar, but it's different. Now humans are still humans. The earth is still the same earth. The animals are still animals, but different, worse. We're deeply broken and not what we were created to be. And now that death was a real thing, God did something that you probably don't know about. And I didn't really either until I started studying for this. Uh, But God created a separate spiritual place to hold the souls of people that died during Act 2. And this place goes by different names. If you're uh, familiar with the Old Testament, it's called Sheol in the Old Testament a lot. It's also called Abraham's bosom, which is a funny name, but that's what they call it. Um, In the New Testament, Jesus calls it Hades, Hades. And uh, from what we can tell, it has three different compartments. You guys are making weird faces. The elders allowed me to teach this, right? It's in the Bible, I'm gonna prove it to you. But uh, it has three different compartments. There's what Jesus calls paradise, or what we'll call present heaven, um, there is what Jesus calls gehenna, or what we'll call present hell. And there's actually a third place that we learn about in uh, one of the epistles of Peter called Tartarus, which actually holds disobedient angels until they're judged in the future. This is going to throw a lot of you for a loop. Hang with me. Uh, Jesus tells uh, tells us all about this place in Luke chapter 16. And this isn't a parable. Some people refer to it as a parable, but it's not. It's a real story. And I just want to read through the whole thing because we learn a lot about Hades in this. It says this. Jesus says this. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried and in Hades being in torment He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you're in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And so the rich man said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament, the Bible, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And he's hinting at Jesus there. Now, there's lots of lessons we can learn from this story. Again, it's not a parable. If it is, it's the only parable that Jesus actually uses real names in it. Uh, But one of the lessons that we can learn is what present heaven and present hell is like. And what we learn is that if you died before Jesus, there's a little change. We're going to get there after Jesus came. uh, Your spirit would leave your body and your body would stay here on earth, or at least the atoms that make up your body would stay here. And your spirit would go to either present heaven or to present hell. Uh, In present heaven, we learn that we are spiritual beings, probably, Uh, There's some passages that hint at a body. Like the rich man said, Lazarus could dip his finger in water, but we're not too sure. God may give you like a temporary body. But the important thing is whether you have a body or not, uh, you're still you. Like Abraham was still Abraham. People recognized him as Abraham. He still has the same history. He's still the same guy, just at a different place or phase in his eternal existence. And that's true of everyone. You're, You're still you. Uh, We learn that no one can go from one place to the other. So you can't go from present hell to present heaven. So purgatory is not biblical. Uh, We learn that we're conscious. We know what's going on around us. And so we're not asleep. Uh, We also know in present heaven, what is going on here on earth. Uh, If you read Revelation, you'll see the saints around God's throne and they're actually interceding for real people that are alive on earth, like real prayer requests for specific people. Some of you are like, uh, I thought I was getting drunk by myself on Friday. You mean Grammy was watching me? Yes, that seems to be the case. You are at all times surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and angels too, I should add. Some of you just gave up some bad habits. Yeah, so we learn that we experience time there. And in the present heaven, we're happy. We're fulfilled. We're in comfort. I mean, Jesus calls it paradise, but in a weird way, We're not fulfilled completely, not yet. We're still waiting until act three. So there's this sense of anticipation. We learn that present hell is similar in some ways. We're spiritual, we're conscious, we're we're still ourselves, we experience time. But unlike present heaven, we're alone, we're isolated. Uh, We do not know what's going on on the earth. We're suffering immensely as well. Jesus calls it a place of never-ending torment and fire. And so that's what Sheol or Hades was like. And that's how things were for thousands of years until Jesus came. But when Jesus came and died, he changes present heaven a little bit. See, when Jesus died, like us, his body stayed in the tomb and his spirit went down to Hades. Remember how he said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise? Well, he, he didn't ascend to the Father until 40 days afterwards. He said, you're going to die, I'm going to die, and this afternoon our spirits are going to the same place. So that's what happened. His spirit went down to Hades, and he did this sort of incredible news conference. He proclaimed to all the spirits there what he had accomplished. 1 Peter 3 says this, Jesus suffered physically, physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. When he was in that spiritual form, he went and preached to the spirits In prison. Uh, An example of that is the saints who died during Noah or the evil people that died during Noah. Ephesians 4 talks about this as well. He went uh, underneath the earth. And so for a few days, Jesus was in present heaven explaining, hey, you didn't know how God would forgive your sins one day. I'm it. I'm it. And he explains the gospel to them. And then he took all of the souls in present heaven and he either brought them up to the heaven where God and the angels resided, or he combined the two, we're not sure which, but whatever he did, he changed present heaven so that the souls of the righteous are now in the presence of God and the angels. And then Jesus left Hades, his spirit did, and he went to earth and he became the first human, not the last, but the first human to ever receive a glorified body. And we learn some things about the glorified body from Jesus. We learn that he was still Jesus. Like people could recognize him as that. Uh, No one confused him for a woman. So he was a man still. Uh, He still acted like a human. So he ate fish. He drank wine. He slept. Um, People could touch him. He still had uh, the scars from the crucifixion. So he was the same Jesus as before, but just different, better, resurrected, and glorified. And then 40 days after that, Jesus ascended into present heaven with his body where all the souls were hanging out with God and the angels. And he sat down at the father's right hand. And that is where he is today. But he's the only one with a body. It's kind of like a preview for what's coming for all those souls that are with him. So if you were to die today, Depending on whether you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you would go to one of two destinations, either present heaven or present hell. And I want you to notice this. What determines where your soul goes is your faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter how good of a person you were how bad of a person you were. It doesn't matter if your attaboys kind of outweighed your ah poops, right? It doesn't matter if you went to church or your parents went to church, we're all sinners, we're all in need of saving. The only thing that determines where you will spend eternity is if you accept God's free offer of salvation and confess Jesus as the Lord and savior of your life. But I think that here I should speak to a question that probably a lot of us are asking, especially this week, but what about babies or what happens to children? Or what happens to like a lot of our friends here at Hope with special needs that might not be able to comprehend the gospel or understand certain doctrines? Where do they go in the day when they die? Well, the Bible over and over stresses it's our faith in Jesus that matters. Um, the Bible doesn't really offer us an age of accountability. where like, you're fine until you get to 10. But when you get to 10, that's when you're accountable for what you believe. But the Bible does stress over and over again that children have a very special place in God's heart. Uh, When Jesus walked the earth, what did he say? He said, let the little children come to me. In fact, he used children as an example of faith. He said, unless you have faith like these little children, you can't enter into my kingdom. Um, God, when he sees people killing children in Ezekiel, he's filled with tremendous anger. And he refers to them not just as children, but as my children. Uh, we also know that there's a, a group of angels that are, that are designated uh, specifically for children. So the overall impression that you get when it comes to children, when it comes to those with special needs, is that when they die, they are welcomed with joy into the gates of heaven from the Father without any uh, precondition being met of them understanding certain doctrines or accepting it, right? So if you are a Christ follower and you die today, that is where you go to present heaven, to be with the souls of all the believers that died before you. You get to hang out with Adam and Eve and Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and Peter and Paul and Mary and Ruth and Esther and all of your deceased family members that believed in Jesus, that knew Jesus, the children that horrifically died this week. They were welcomed into the arms of Jesus along with all of their grandparents or their great-grandparents that had faith in Christ and you would go to be all together with those people in the presence of Jesus in paradise, but still waiting, <clears throat> waiting for act three. And if you were to die today without a relationship to Jesus, you would go to present hell uh, suffering all alone in complete isolation in torment and in incredible pain and waiting as well for your final destination. Which brings us to act three. Act three, unlike act one and two, will last forever. There's no act four. And act three starts uh, with Jesus's return to earth in the end times. It's his second coming. And while we're on the topic, let me just clear up. Here's everything that has to happen before Jesus comes back. I'm completely kidding, I have no idea. Um, But what I do know is that when Jesus comes back, all the souls that are in present heaven and present hell will go back to earth into their bodies and they will all receive glorified or eternal bodies. All the people that are on earth that haven't died, that are alive when Jesus comes back, their bodies will be turned into glorified eternal bodies. And then we'll watch as God for the first time creates eternal hell. The hell that we often talk about hasn't been created yet. Satan's never been there. And so we'll watch him create eternal hell, which was intended for Satan and the demons. And we'll watch him cast Satan and the demons into hell. And then this is what we'll witness. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so what we see is that all the dead are given bodies and we're gonna stand before the great white throne of God and God's gonna take all those people that did not accept his free offer of salvation and he will place them in eternal hell. And I just wanna pause for a moment. And I just want you to notice that the hell that you and I commonly talk about, future hell, I want you to notice it was not intended for us. It was created for Satan and for the demons and for all that we call evil. And every single person that will go there and spend eternity there, it's because they chose to be there. They chose to deny God. They put off following him. They refused to submit their life to Jesus and accept his free offer of salvation. Those who spend eternity in hell literally have to climb over the cross of Jesus to get there. And that future hell is worse than the present hell. I mean, it's meant for Satan and his demons. So the pain and the suffering, it's gonna be unbearable. It will be complete isolation, cut off, from anyone or any interaction with anyone. It will be outside of the presence of God and it will last for eternity. And there are thousands of people today that will try to say that none of that is true, but we know that all of those things are true because Jesus himself teaches us each one of those things. It's real. And because of sin, it is our default destination. Without Christ, This is where we're destined to spend eternity. That's serious. But praise God, it's not the end for everyone. After that's all done, after all of that is finished, then we, along with all the other believers and the angels, get to stare in awe as we witness this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they're true. So all of the angels and God's people and their glorified bodies will watch as God remakes the earth and the entire universe and will get to see God move his dwelling place down from heaven to earth with us. See, God's plan was never to have us live with him for all of eternity. God's plan was always to make his dwelling, to move down with us into the new earth. And that's how Act 3 will start, and it will never, ever end. And I know this brings up all kinds of questions. It does for me, and there's no way we can possibly answer them all. But don't you just want to know, like, what will that existence be like? Like, what will our new glorified bodies be like? Well, Jesus kind of shows us. They'll be the same bodies, but different, better, way better. Will we all look like supermodels? Nope. You'll still look like you. I'll still look like me, just healthy. And as we were intended to look at the peak of physical fitness, well, will you be the same age when you die? I don't think so. I think that um, there's a certain age where you'll be in peak physical condition. And it might be different for all of us depending on our DNA, and that's the age that you will be. So some of you will die and wake up younger. Praise the Lord. Uh, Some people will die and wake up older like children, but they'll still be them. You'll still recognize them as them. But our bodies won't be magic or anything. We'll still be humans. Uh, We'll still need to eat, we'll still need to drink, we'll still need to sleep, we just won't get sick. We won't feel pain. We'll still have natural needs. They'll just all be met. And we'll still have different personalities. The same ones that you had here on earth with like the rough edges, kind of saying it off, right? No sin. Uh, We'll still have the same strengths and the same talents, again with no sin. Uh, We'll form new friendships. We'll rekindle old ones. Parents will get to hold their children. Families will be reunited and they'll never ever be separated again. Well, what will the new earth be like? Again, the Bible seems to say that like our bodies, it's the same earth, but it's different. It's better. It's untarnished by sin. So the Grand Canyon will be as grand as God originally created it to be. The mountains will be as majestic as they were made to be. And remember, it's not just the earth, but the whole universe. So Mars and Jupiter will be as awe-inspiring as they're meant to be, and not just our solar system, but every solar system and every galaxy in the whole universe will be remade. It'll be renewed. But what about the different nations or the countries or the nationalities and the countries? Will those go away? No, it'll be the same diversity of cultures. Jesus says people from every tribe, nation, and tongue will be there. From the nations that exist, and maybe old ones that have gone away, it'll be, it'll be the same, just different better. And if we stick with that pattern, we'll still have the same need for politics. There will be nations. There will be kings. There will be a hierarchy of leadership without sin. Let me stress that. There will be jobs. There'll even be technology. Like nothing in the Bible seems to hint that we'll just go back to the Stone Age and have to reinvent the wheel or fire. When John went to heaven, it had all of the technology that they had back then. There was the written word. There was metal instruments. There was chariots. So maybe the same technology will exist, but, you know, we'll be sinless. So maybe we'll all take out our smartphones and be like, that was the stupidest idea ever, right? And throw it away. And we'll use all that technology for the greater good, for a way that glorifies Jesus. Well, what will we do? Will we just sit around and hang out? No, we'll have the same command that God gave Adam and Eve in Act 1. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over it for the glory of God. Like show these angels what you're capable of without this thing called sin, without the curse, show them the incredible things that God designed us to accomplish. So we know there will be commerce, there'll be trade, There'll be business and science and art and music and sports and scholarship. And everyone's gonna have a unique area of responsibility where they can use their specific gifts and their callings and their passions to the utmost. And uh, they'll be completely fulfilled in that. And once we've subdued and have dominion over the whole earth, who knows? We might go and do it on other planets. You would be surprised how many theologians think this. I mean, we might do it, over the whole entire universe and then get to the end. And God said, well, let me create another one for you, right? I mean, it took him six days to make this one, not a whole lot of work for him. And we know that he loves to create and he loves to fill. That's not beyond the scope of possibility. And we could keep going and going and going, but we know as amazing as all that sounds, that pales in comparison with seeing Jesus face to face. He's the one that made it all possible, right? our risen and reigning Messiah living with us and we'll get to see him and we'll get to hug him and we'll get to thank him and we'll get to worship him and all that we do will be an overflow of all that he did for us. The most amazing thing will be Jesus. Hope, this is true. This is what our future holds. And we could keep going on for hours. Maybe this will become a whole series in the future. Who knows? But I just want to close with two things. First, if you are a Christ follower, listen, one day, all that you've ever wanted or desired, your pure motives, all of those needs and dreams, they will be met one day. It'll be yours joy after joy, after joy, after joy, compounded with joy after joy, stretched all the way through eternity. You will never have to give up any desire or any need. Every single one that you have, your pure one that you have, it will be fulfilled for all of eternity. And if all of that will be ours one day, it means that now, during this tiny little blip on the map that we call eternity, on these few short 70 or 80 years, which is just a blink of vapor that is here today and gone tomorrow, it means that during this very short life as Christ followers, we can wait. We can wait. What do I mean? Well, a verse I go back to almost every week is where Paul says this in Romans 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Listen, every single person that you come into contact with every single day is an eternal being. Every single person that you know or will ever know will never cease to exist. And they will either spend eternity on the new heavens and the new earth or in torment and hell. And God has saved you and has given you the gospel message so that through you, all of those people could at least be offered a chance, a choice to hear and respond to the gospel or not. And so what that means is our short little momentary life here, it is not a time to sit back and bide our time. It is not a time to wait until Jesus comes back. It's not a time to build our little kingdoms here. It's meant to be a rescue mission where we use everything that we have and we pour out everything that we are so that more might respond to Jesus before the clock runs out. What that means is that as a Christ follower, I don't need to use my time and my talents and my resources building my little kingdom here because this is not my eternal home. Jesus is preparing that for me. All of God's will be mine one day. And all that I have here on earth, I will leave it behind. And so I can spend it all and I can give it all and I can pour it all out for the only thing that matters that more and more people know about Jesus. And what that means is as a Christ follower, I might not need a bigger house here and now when there's a village in Haiti that needs a church. I can redirect those funds that aren't going to last to something that will Or I don't need to look forward to being an empty nester for children being out of my house because I have a home in heaven that I'm probably going to live alone in for all of eternity, right? But in the here and now, there are so many unwanted babies. And if Roe v. Wade is overturned like we think it will be, that number is going to skyrocket. And there are hundreds of foster kids right now that need a safe place to stay and someone to show them the love of Jesus so I can wait. see that? Or one day I'll never have an awkward conversation. (laughs) I'll never have to worry about being judged by other people. So in the here and now I can embrace awkwardness. I can embrace the possibility of being judged so I can bring up the name of Jesus in every single conversation that I can. One day we will have the presence of Jesus. We can hug his neck, we can hold his hands, but now we need to be the presence of Jesus. The truth of heaven means that for almost everything in my life, I can wait so that more might know. Second, if you're here and you've been putting off following Jesus, maybe you went to church when you were young, you think that you have plenty of time, but you've just been living life on your own. If you don't know that you know that you know that you have made the decision to make Jesus your savior and the Lord of your life. I want to do something that I rarely do that maybe I should do more often. And I want to plead with you to make that decision today because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I know you may think that you have all the time in the world and five or 10 years after you've sowed your wild oats, then you'll do church again. Then you'll take on this Christianity thing, but you don't know what's going to happen. An act of violence, a car accident, A heart attack can just take you out in a moment. And one minute you're alive and thinking that you have more time to get right with God, and the next moment your life is over and your eternity is set, and there's not going to be a chance to change your decision. So it's so incredibly important that you swallow your pride that you lay down your excuses and you accept the free offer of salvation that Jesus is offering today. God says, broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the road that leads to life and few find it. Be one of those few. And so if that's you, I just wanna lead you in a prayer right now. If we could bow our heads online across all of our campuses in the room right now, if that's you, if you've been putting it off and you've heard the gospel that Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live and died the death that you should have died, and God can forgive you and transform you based uh, on his work on the cross, then I just want you to pray a prayer like this. It doesn't have to be these exact same words, but just pray, Father, I've heard this and I haven't taken it seriously. And I've been treating a turtle matters flippantly. And so, Father, right now, I, I don't want um, to put it off any longer. I want to make the decision so that I know that I know that I know where I'm going to spend eternity. So I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I confess that I need forgiving and I believe that you want to forgive me. So would you forgive me? Would you send your spirit into my heart right now to transform me? And would you get me in the game so that more and more could know? Let's keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, it's the best decision you'll ever make. I want you to tell someone. Maybe it's our online host. Maybe it's a pastor or volunteer at one of our campuses. Maybe it's the person that brought you into one of our buildings today, but I want you to tell someone. And for now, I want to pray over all of us. Father, would you give us the perspective of eternity? Would you give us a vision for what that would be like? Would you just allow us to somehow comprehend a small amount of the beauty and the joy and the fulfillment that we'll we'll be able to experience so that in the here and now we can give up and we can sacrifice and we can give away and we can pour out. Father, would you use us with our short time here on earth not to gain more stuff here, but to bring more people with us? Would you do this for your name and your glory's sake? amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.